when somebody calls their business their baby, I'm like, okay, well, you eventually are going to have this baby grow up just like in real life. Figuring out where this like quote unquote baby is in your life is how you should look at it as opposed to always treating it a ba- like a baby because if you're just going to treat it like that, it's always going to stay in like that one to two year phase. Welcome to the She Can Systemize podcast, where we are helping business owners like you learn to love and implement systems in their business. From conversations about CRM tools like Dubsado or automating the ish out of your business to helping your system match the level of detail your business does. My name is Taryn Rochelle, your girlfriend with a plan, CEO and founder of The Social Lifestyle Co. and someone who's just a little systems obsessed. I'm about to help make your life and business way more systemized so you can live a social lifestyle you love. Welcome to She Can Systemize. Hey guys, welcome back to She Can Systemize podcast. I am so excited that you are here and so excited to have Alicia here with me as our guest today. Alicia Kumar is a multi-passionate entrepreneur with over 13 years in marketing, PR, and events. She is the founder of The Social Project, At The Table, and host of the podcast, Here For A Good Time. Alicia is continuously evolving and growing alongside the online world from building out marketing strategies for some of the globe's largest brands to building communities in cities across North America. Alicia is not only building a table for women entrepreneurs, but also pulling up a seat for them to feel included, which we love here at the Socialized Cell Co. So thank you so much for joining me, Alicia. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for our convo today. Oh my gosh, me too. I knew when I was finally getting this podcast in motion that I was going to have Alicia on the podcast. She was one of the first people that I reached out to. I was like, girl, we need an episode. Um, And I am super excited and also so excited that she recently launched her podcast. And so we are both on the new podcast journey together. And so I love that and have just really loved getting to know you a lot more throughout the years. We met through Seattle Business Babes, right? Is that how we first met was through that community? Yeah, it was one of my first businesses that I launched alongside the agency. I was just looking for a community out in Seattle and my friend had a larger community, which was more global, looking to go into certain cities. And I was like, hey, I don't know anybody in Seattle. I need a community because that's how I definitely know how my business is going to grow. Let's start one in Seattle. And yeah, it was it was amazing. The Seattle community was great. It really was. So I, as some of you may know, or if you're new to my community, I am from Washington State. Um, We recently moved to Arizona, but so I'm from Seattle too. And so I was the same way where I was like looking for a networking community. At the time I had an online clothing boutique and that is how I got connected with the Seattle business babes was to bring my boutique there, um, I guess a vendor and things like that. Um, I went to one of their networking events and just loved it. And then got connected with Alicia and we have stayed in touch ever since. And it's been so great to watch your business continue to grow. And especially when it comes to having a strategy, which is what this episode is all about, is behind everything in your business should be a strategy. I feel like Alicia is so good at doing this and also educating on this, especially when it comes to the marketing world. So when it comes to like a strategy for your business or anything like that, like 
when you first started out in your business, did you always have this like strategy mindset or was this something that just evolved over time as you have been growing your businesses? Yeah, I think the Virgo in me definitely was very strategic about everything that I've always done. And I always kind of wanted to know the why behind everything. So even if you look at me launching the agency and then also the community hand in hand, I knew that one was going to propel the other because not for like clients or anything, but just the growth of it and my own personal growth. And so for me, it was so strategic to launch this community in Seattle so it can help me grow my agency and then kind of, you know, take me from there. And yeah, I think there's just always a why behind everything I do. Because one thing I hate is wasted time. And mind you, sometimes I do. I think just figuring out the why behind all of the stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, one, everyone sees shiny object syndrome or has shiny object syndrome because they see everything on social media and then are wanting to like add all these elements into their business and add, you know, these marketing strategies that might work for other people that may not work for their business or, you know, add a community aspect to their business or add a Facebook group and everything. But then there's no strategy behind it. There's no reason. There's no why. And then it just flops. And then people feel defeated. Do you see that a lot when it comes to like your community or like past clients or anything like that of like people coming to you like, well, like I did this, you know, marketing plan or tried this out and like nothing happened, you know, from it. Do you see a lot of times it's because that strategy was not there supporting that plan? I mean, somewhat. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't had shiny object syndrome um, because I definitely have. And it led me down that same hole that you were talking about right now of launching all these things that we see everybody else launching. And yeah, there might be some sort of strategy behind it of being like, oh, well, it worked for this person. We're in the same industry. So of course it's going to work for me. And that just wasn't the route I was supposed to be taking. And also, I think there's a lot of like heart that goes into everything a lot of people do. And so if your heart really isn't in, say, curating a Facebook group and really nurturing it and figuring out, okay, how is this going to serve the larger purpose? There's so much that goes hand in hand with that as well. And it usually doesn't work out for, you know, whatever reason. And being able to just let that go and learning from it, I think is a huge thing too. So yeah, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm perfect. And, you know, strategy is what gets me by because sometimes in my mind, it is very strategic to launch certain things. But it just doesn't make sense for the bigger picture. And that's why it typically just ends up falling apart. Yeah. And sometimes like that idea that you have may be right for your business, but it may not be right at this time. It may not be right for the season of life that you're in or the season your business is in. And so that is why I always like tell my clients to like, you know, really look at the big picture of what you have going on in your year. You know, I've had a lot of clients lately that are pregnant or like just had babies. And it's like, that is a a big thing that happens in your life and can take, you know, some time away from your business, which is okay, you know, to be on maternity, maternity leave and to take some time. That is what that time is there for. But then figuring out what you're launching and what you're doing for your business strategically around those seasons of life. There are things that are just unforeseen, like what we all experienced in 2020 and just trying to figure out things from there. Um, But the things that you can plan for and everything like that, just really looking at the bigger picture 
and knowing things. So then even if you think this is a great idea, launching it maybe right now just isn't the right time and it still could be successful. It just may not need to be down the road at a little time when you can actually put your focus, your heart into it. And it's not just like there just to like put it out in the world and just to do it. Yeah. And I think we saw a lot of that in 2020 of people just being in survival mode. And there were, you know, so many changes happening to everybody's business across the board. And so what do you do with this like great strategy that might have been working two months before, but now it's kind of like, okay, that's out the window. We have to come up with something new and we don't know what next week is going to look like, let alone tomorrow. So how do we move forward with this? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There was like a lot of really great pivoting and changes during that time. And a lot of people that just like, you know, we all weren't prepared for it. And so it's like, you know, figuring out what to do and then either making those changes or not making those changes. Um, But the people that like didn't make any changes and just like, especially in maybe an industry where you're with people 24 seven, like my clients, which are the wedding and event industry, you know, they had to change all that a lot and figure out things. Like I have a photo booth company that started doing like virtual photo booth events and stuff like that and like figuring those out. And so really figuring out ways that you can still have your business going even when, you know, unforeseen circumstances come up, but that all comes into like taking time to then develop a plan and a strategy. But that was something I wanted to touch on too is like, I feel like a lot of times, I don't know how often you hear this of like, well, if I take time to develop a strategy, it's going to take me too long. Like, what are your thoughts on like how long it should really take you to develop a strategy for something? Or, you know, when people maybe say like, well, if I sit down and do this, I know it's going to take me a while to plan this out. Would you say that would be a time that someone may need to outsource something or that it's a mindset shift when it comes to developing a strategy? I think both. My first thought definitely went to outsourcing because I know in my life, if there's something that I just don't know how to do, for instance, a podcast, I don't want to learn how to edit a podcast. That's not you know, something my agency does. It's not something I want to be doing all the time. So outsourced right away from the get-go. It wasn't even something that I could sit there and think about. Then also the mindset shift of being like, hey, if I just outsource this, yes, we're going to you know, see a dip in profit or whatever else. But in the long run, it's also going to free up so much more of my time where my expertise just isn't. And some people might be into, you know, learning a new thing and doing it themselves and all to you. But just knowing yourself and knowing what you want to be doing, as opposed to these tasks that might just not, you know, benefit you in the long run, I would just outsource right away and figure out if, you know, that's feasible and how it's feasible and find the right person for your brand as well. I think that's really important because different people specialize in different things. And so whether that's a paid ad strategy that you need or organic, figure out where your business is or have somebody tell you where it is and tell you what the next steps are going to be and then run with that. Yeah, definitely. And I think like for me, so for me, for example, with this podcast, I'm doing my editing right now. And that is because like I am very techy. I I like it right now, but I know at some point it's not going to be for me anymore and that is okay. I already know who I'm going to outsource to. But when it comes to 
the other parts of my podcast, like my intro and my trailer, those I outsource because for me, editing that was just like way outside my zone of genius and way outside my comfort zone. And when I was looking at my plan for my podcast, I have been sitting on launching this podcast for a very, very long time, too long for me to be sitting on this idea. And it was mainly because the thought of making an intro in a trailer was just like, what, how do I do the music? Like I hear all these ones, they sound so good. And I'm just like, was over. That was the only thing holding me up. I have had all these episodes, ideas, like guests and all this stuff for too long. And then when I finally like, was like, like you said, you know, find someone that can do this, that it is their zone of genius. And, you know, I was like, so engulfed in the podcast that I was just like, this is like my little baby and was worried about outsourcing different parts of it. But when I took myself out of it and I was like, I am taking too long and I am all about productivity and not wasting time. So why am I wasting time right now? And then right when I outsourced that, I felt so relieved. She did such a good job and I loved it. And it's way better than I could have ever done. And I'm like, why did I wait so long? But, you know, everything happens for a reason. Who knows if I would have found her, you know, a while ago compared to finding her now. But I think like that's where figuring out, even if it's not the whole part of that side of your business that you can outsource, find little things that, you know, make a list of all the tasks that you have to get done and figure out what you love to do or have to do what could be delegated, what could be automated, and actually figure that out. But that's where planning and having a strategy in place comes into play so that you know those things. Yeah, you brought something up and it stuck out to me because when somebody calls their business their baby, I'm like, okay, well, you eventually are going to have this baby grow up just like in real life. And then they're going to you know, start riding a bike and you're going to have to take the training wheels off or they're going to have to get prepared to, you know, leave home for college and stuff like that. Figuring out where this like quote unquote baby is in your life is how you should look at it as opposed to always treating it a ba- like a baby because if you're just going to treat it like that, it's always going to stay in like that 1 to 2 year phase. And so how do you grow out of that? And it's probably by looking at expansion and what does that expansion look like for you? That is such a good point. And I love that analogy because it's it's really true. If you continue to look at your business or that area of your business as a baby, that is where it's going to stay. If I continue to look at, you know, when I first started working in Dubsado as like, you know, my Dubsado setups as a baby, where it is now of like adding the different elements of that part of our business and guest speaking and all those things wouldn't have happened and wouldn't be happening if I was still at that beginning phase, because it would just be at that baby time where I'm just like getting my feet wet and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I feel like that's such a good analogy for people because, you know, I, I've said that I just said that on the podcast, like people say that phrase all the time. But when you have that little mindset shift, I think that can make a world of a difference for your business. So when one thing that you had put in your bio, which really resonated with me is you being multi-passionate When someone is multi-passionate like yourself. Have you found it difficult to like juggle all those things, especially when it comes to like putting a strategy in place for them? Or have you, has that been another thing that like has just kind of been like a part of your 
personality and you just like intertwined it into your business. Yeah, I think it's just been part of my personality for a really long time. Also, I feel like majority of people on this earth are multi-passionate and multi-potential. We have, you know, so many capabilities and so many things that we really love. I think figuring out which parts of those things that we love we might want to turn into a business is really important and which ones of those will stay a hobby is really important because you don't have to monetize everything that you love. I'm just going to put that out there. Sometimes it ends up in you not loving it anymore. And that is just not okay. But yeah, ever since I can remember as like a kid, I was always involved in numerous things that I really liked, whether that was dance or girl guides and playing rugby and anything else. I was always really busy. Yeah, I think it's for as long as I can remember, it was always trying to figure out, okay, how is this one thing that I love going to fit into my life? Whether it's, you know, me going to school in the morning and then going to rugby practice and then maybe going to dance at night, figuring out just what your day is like. Do you do a lot of time blocking still? Is that part of your kind of process? Do you do a lot of time blocking in your calendar? So I try to now, especially with the different avenues of my business and making sure that I am touching on each business at least a few times a week is super important because I also have a team with the agency and making sure, you know, I'm always touching base with them along with this new avenue that we're launching part of the agency, which is at the table and making sure I'm, you know, dedicating enough time to figuring out what that's going to look like and also the podcast and recording. So yeah, I mean, time blocking, who does it work for? I feel like I lose track of time. Or I tried one of those little timer things where you have it and it's like, oh my gosh, me too. It's somewhere in a drawer. (laughs) Right? Work on this for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, well, no, now I'm in the groove of this. I'm not going to only spend 15 minutes on it. So I'm going to do it until it's done. And then the whole day is gone. So yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out how the time blocking thing is working. Hey, I'm the same way. I have yet to, I do, people know my community. I'm very big on like having like a day of the week that like, you focus on for your business and things like that, especially if you're client facing. So like on Mondays, I don't take any client calls on Fridays. I don't take any client calls. I still do like client communication and Slack like Tuesday to through Friday. Um, but like, I don't take any calls on those days. And what has really helped me is like those days I focus on my business. So I focus on content creation, or I do podcast episodes or things like that. Um, you know, checking on emails and everything that are related to my business and not like my client's business. And so that's been, been really helpful when it comes to like blocking my calendars, like at least doing something like that. The actual like blocks of time, like I tried blocking my Google calendar of like, okay, during these hours, I'm going to do this kind of stuff. And like, I'm the same way, like when I get like in the groove of something, like I am like in the groove of it. So as long as I have like my due dates and stuff like in ClickUp, so I'm like getting stuff done on like the time it's supposed to get done. Like that's just the way my brain works well. But I feel like different, like using your timer, like, like I said, I have one of those. It is in a drawer somewhere. Um, I tried using it and I just could not, like I, I could not, but it works for some people. And I think that is where like, figuring out a strategy for your time blocking or your calendar is so important because you have to figure out what works for the way that your brain works. Because what works for me may not work for you, Alicia, or may not work for Susie down the street. And so I am like not a huge fan of like, like cookie cutter things. I think a lot of there are so many great strategies out there, but you still have to fit them and mold them 
to fit your business, to fit your mission, your values, your brand voice. I think a lot of people see a bunch of things in the world, templates and stuff like that, and then just throw them out there. It's like a Canva template and then just putting it on Instagram. I can spot that Canva template a mile away if you're still using the same stock image that's on there, the same the same font, the same colors that the template was. It's not even in your brand colors. It's like using something like that and just throwing it on your Instagram feed and it has nothing to do with your business. So it's like taking those templates or taking those strategies and then molding it to fit fit your business and to really make sense for your audience as well. I feel like that's why I just don't do well with courses either because I feel like a lot of courses are very cookie cutter and I can never follow through with it because there's always like a million things going on. So I just like left the course part altogether, whether it was making courses or yeah, being part of them. I was like, okay, I can't do this. I know what I need either like some sort of active group program or like a mastermind. Figure out what works for you because everybody learns so differently too. I'm the same exact way. I am. Um, I used to think that, again, it's like the shiny object syndrome. And I get it too. Like you said, everyone gets shiny object syndrome. There's a podcast episode that's coming up actually about how to, you know, put a system in place for your shiny object syndrome. Um, because it's a thing and we all have it. And so there's a way to kind of organize that in a way that that we do it here. But when it came to courses, when like, yes, they're still like, you know, super popular, a lot of people have courses, but I feel like there was a huge time, especially in the last couple of years where it was just like skyrocketing. Like I was seeing a new course, like every single week and all this stuff. So then I was like, well, I need to have a course, like everyone's doing it. So I need to have a course. And I was the same way. Like it was like very like draining for me to actually do. And then also like, it's just not the way that like I learn and consume things. And I learned it's also not the way that my audience learns and consumes things. So my ideal clients, you know, my ideal community. So it just didn't make sense. And a lot of them did not do well because my heart wasn't into it. And my audience's heart wasn't into it. And that's okay. Like, I am the first one to tell you when something flops or something doesn't do well. I'm not going to sit up here on my high horse and be like, oh my gosh, this course made six figures and it did so good when I made two sales. You know what I mean? Like I, if something doesn't do well, that's when you audit it and you're like, then this doesn't make sense for my business. And that thing went goodbye. And that is okay. I think there's a lot more transparency now in the online world than there was like even just a few years ago of people really being upfront about being like, hey, this course ate shit. And it just wasn't right for me, but this is what I'm doing now. I think that transparency aspect is so cute. I, especially within the entrepreneurial world, because it's, yeah, I think it's just changing the game for so many people of being like, oh, you know, not everything is what it seems online. I mean, it's 0.0009% of somebody's life. And so, but it's so easy to get caught up. Yeah, it is so easy. And it's like, that's why, you know, being, as transparent and authentic when it comes to your social media or whatever you're doing for your marketing like is so important because especially if you're client facing or for my you know the ideal my ideal clients in my community here of the event and wedding industry and photographers you're working with people all the time you know and so how they see and view you like on social media you want them to be still getting that same person when they hop on a call with you, 
or especially when they meet you at their venue to be planning their wedding. You don't want them to get, you know, one person one day and then a different person a different day. Yes, you know, we all have good and bad days, but we don't want some like polar opposite thing going on because we're just trying to show up a certain way just to show up a certain way that isn't authentic to us. And I think that is going to really help you when it comes to your marketing to your business and everything is to always stay authentic and transparent about things. And I've noticed that too, that it is a lot more transparent, especially in the online world than it was before. I feel like it was just like seeing everything that was working for people, but I wasn't seeing the things that weren't working for people. And I think that's where a lot of people learn from is, you know, either mistakes that they made in their business and stuff that they did to, you know, learn from that or, you know, what they would have done differently. I mean, I feel like we just don't see that or we used to not see that often. And now we see it a lot more. So like looking back for you, Alicia, like, is there anything like in your business, um, maybe in like your marketing space or with your agency? Because a lot of people in our community are building teams. It may not be agency wise, but it still kind of follows that same model. Like, for example, I have a lot of wedding planner clients and then they bring in like other coordinators and stuff like that. And I feel like that follows very much, you know, the agency model where they're the overseeing everything and then having other coordinators. Is there anything that you would say, like, you know, with starting an agency or anything that you would have maybe done differently or wanted to have a better strategy in place when you started that part of your business? Yeah, I think it's hiring. Honestly, hiring has been the most difficult part. Mind you, I have a great team, have since, you know, I started hiring. Somebody was with me for a little over two years, I think. And then now I have a team who's been around for a while. But I think the biggest thing is hiring and figuring out what, you know, that flow is going to look like. I was in an HR position before I started my business, but I feel like it was just so messy and looking at how many systems they could have had in place when they were hiring and looking at, you know, my business now and doing the hiring now, I'm like, oh, this could have been so much easier if we just follow these steps. But it's also letting go of like, just trust with your business too, which is so difficult. So I remember hearing Molly Moon, ice cream shop owner, she had said something on a panel a while ago. And she said, if some, if you can find somebody who does something 70% as good as you can, you're golden. Because they're not going to get it the way you do every single time. And that's okay because they bring so many other strengths in that other 30% that you probably just don't have. And I look at my team now and there's so many like creative aspects because I'm so analytical and strategic about everything. There's so many creative aspects that my team brings that I'm like, oh, I would have never thought of this. And so slowly, definitely letting go of a lot of reins, but also just figuring out what hiring looks like. Yeah, definitely. I think that is a big thing that a lot of people struggle with is whether you are outsourcing or whether you are bringing on like actual team members is letting go and feeling like you can let go of things in your business and having someone that can do those tasks, especially if you're hiring a team member, you know, 70% of what you could do. Like you said, they're bringing so many other things to the table, or you hope that they will be able to bring, you know, so many things to the table for you that you may not be seeing or may not be your zone of genius. And that is what helps make such a 
like, like perfectly rounded team is like by having people that have strengths in different areas. And so it's really figuring that out too in that beginning hiring process is, you know, asking people, you know, what their strengths are. So when you're going through that application process, you know, a lot of times I see so many job posts and so many things on, you know, Facebook groups and all these things. And it is not gathering the kind of information that you really need to gather at that like initial inquiry phase of someone applying, because then you're going to have to dive into more of that, like on a call, you're going to be doing like 60, you know, hiring calls, you know what I mean? As opposed to like narrowing that down from the beginning and getting some of those more qualifying questions or figuring out people's strengths and their weaknesses and stuff like that in that initial phase. That is something that has really helped me in my hiring process is figuring out some of those things at the beginning and making that initial application part strategic and having a plan of it. So then I am not having to get on as many, you know, hiring inquiry calls as I would if I would have just been like, what's your name? What's your email? What's your Instagram? Why do you want to be join this position? And then that's it, you know, or it's just people are just gathering their info and then nothing else. And I'm like, what are you getting from that? You don't know what this person is interested in or what they're good at or what their background is or what their background is in your industry. Like that's a big thing is like hiring people that understand your industry and understand like what you do and understand what your clients do because you're, you guys are niche specific, correct? Like who, who do you guys uh, serve as a marketing agency? Yeah. So we serve hospitality and CPG brands. So typically um, wineries, breweries, restaurants, hotels, anything like that travel and hospitality space along with usually food, beverage, and like beauty and wellness brands. So like actual product. But once again, if I was to put out something looking for somebody, I would want to make sure that they either specialize in that or have an interest in it. Because I know that marketing for those types of brands is very different than marketing for service-based, you know, Completely businesses. different. And Completely yeah, night and day. Like you said, there's, you know, job posts out there that are like, yeah, give me your name number and email or whatever. And what are you gathering from that? Like you have no idea. Also, why are you giving your name and stuff like that to this person when you don't even know what the job entails? It could be an internship. You might not even get like paid. And so I think just being once again, transparent, hey, this is the job. This is what you're going to be doing, who you're going to be working with. Here is the pay. That is one thing I have definitely learned is putting the pay on there, not only for yourself and, you know, gathering the right person, but also for the other person on the other side. Because if they're 10 years into whatever industry you know that you work in and you want to pay somebody, I don't know, like $18 an hour, those two things probably aren't going to go hand in hand. And so why waste your time and also why waste their time and not put that there? Exactly. Yeah. The transparency on pay. And I'm also a strong believer in transparency and how much your services cost, but your, your transparency on anything income related like that, whether you're, you know, what you're going to pay someone or what you're asking someone to pay you, I think is so important, especially in the time we're in right now, people are watching their money closely as they should. And, you know, they want to make sure that they're seeing a return on investment of their time 
of, you know, being a subcontractor, an employee, or of hiring someone to do a project for them. And so being really transparent, you're going to be like weaving out if you're hiring someone, someone that may not be the right person for the position or the position may not be right for them. It could be someone that you really want to have, but like you said, has a lot of experience and that is amazing. That's what you're looking for. But then you're wanting to pay them way less than what they want to be paid. And that is okay. It is okay for someone to charge their worth. And if that is not a right fit, then that is not a right fit. Because even if they come in and the whole time they're expecting or wanting this higher pay, it isn't going to be a good fit at the end of the day, whether they come on or not, because the whole time they're going to be like, I should be getting paid more for this, like blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm sure all of us have felt that way at one point when we've taken a project on at a lower rate than we should have. And then the whole entire time we are doing this project for someone, we are like, I like should have charged double for this. You know what I mean? And so it's like the same thing as like a service-based industry or if you're hiring someone. And so being okay with that, that that person may not be the right fit, even if it is because of the financial part, being transparent about that is so important. And actually having a plan for that initial hiring and inquiry part of that process of gathering the correct info and what info is actually going to be beneficial for you as a business owner, because time is money. And the hiring process can take a good chunk of time out of your day, your week, your month, if you're bringing on a new team member. And so actually like trying to narrow that time down is crucial. So then you aren't wasting your time and you're also not wasting other people's time. Um, What's your thoughts on transparency on your service prices? This is like a, a hot topic of things sometimes. And so I'm always interested to hear other people's takes on that. Yeah, I think it not only helps your potential customer, because why would you want like, yes, great, you get 100 inquiries a day or something. But if none of those people are your, you know, target audience, because your services cost like $5,000, when their budget is like 500, what good is that doing you? You're not going to sit there and try and convince this person to spend how much ever more to hire you because then you're just wasting your entire day. So yeah, being really transparent, about your prices is, I think, key. I'm seeing it a lot more these days, but it also helps people in the industry as well. Because for me, at least, I want somebody who owns an agency as well to be like, oh, they're charging this much. Like, I can either A, you know, pull up my prices and be charging more for whatever I'm serving as well and just probably show up better for their business too. No, no wrong is done when more money is in women's hands. So, Hike up your prices. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love too that like, you know, I know Alicia's this way, like all about collaboration over competition and that there is room for all of us at the table and all of us at the top. And I think that is why I have always like really admired you and like we've always got along really well together because I know that is something that is really important in our values and mission here, as well as in yours. And, you know, when you are transparent about your services, about your process too, a lot of people in the industry that we serve in the wedding and event industry don't like to show a lot of their process or behind the scenes kind of stuff because they already feel like their market 
is super saturated, which is like my least favorite phrase in the world. But I know there's a lot of you guys out there. Like there's a lot of people in the wedding event industry. I went to the wedding MBA this past year and will be there next year. There's a lot of you out there. And, but they are like, well, I don't want to share, you know, what we do or how we do things because then other wedding planners are going to do it this way. Well, no one is. Why is that a bad thing? Exactly. Yeah. And, but like, no one is you at the end of the day. Like, it's like you are, you know, you could have the same process, but someone could buy better with you than they do with someone else, you know? And it's not, like you said, it's not a bad thing for there. If you have a really great way of running an event planning business, why is it a bad thing that there's someone else that's looking up to you and like wanting to run their event and wedding planning business that way too. Like that is showing that you know your stuff and you're doing it well and you're killing it and you're being an industry leader and like rising other women, other people up with you. And I think that mindset is way more important than like being the best and wanting to be that top person and no one else can do what I do and all this kind of stuff. Like that mindset like has got to go because it's only going to harm your business and it's only going to like harm your community dynamic that you have going on. Because I just feel like when we're not doing that and we aren't being that community focused space and really thinking of like everyone around us and not just ourselves, that is when people's businesses can crumble because they just have the wrong kind of mindset. For sure. And I also see that with, you know, this term of like, um, self-made because you really look at that and yes, you might be self-funded. My All my businesses are self-funded, which I'm really proud of, but I'm definitely not self-made because behind me is a team. Behind me has always been a community of people who were either referring me or helping me learn something new or coming to me you know, to ask questions or get referrals from me as well and whatever else that none of this, none of my businesses have ever been self-made. Ever. And I think that's something so important that we also need to push because it always comes down to who your community is as well and how important it is for these people to, you know, have your back when things go wrong. Because during, say, the last few years, a lot of these people got business from referrals and whatever else. And I think it's the strongest form of marketing. I will stand behind that, um, along with many other marketers. But yeah, there's just so much strength in community. And so look at that term and see what it really means to you and figure out, okay, is this really serving me in the way that I'm, you know, wanting it to serve me by being, you know, on my own and keep gatekeeping all of my like prices and my processes and whatever else, because you don't know where that might propel you if you do share those things. Yeah. And I think too, that is where like also like, you know, having a strategy and a plan for like the way that you collaborate. And, you know, things is so important because it's also so good for your mindset. You know, I'm not saying like beyond like a million coffee chats a week. I'm like very anti that if it's not going to do a lot for your business. Like I see this so much in the, in our space, uh, people just getting on all these calls all the time and coffee chats and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, enough with the coffee chats. Yeah, that word in your brain. Those two have got to go. Like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh. Pick your brain. Yes, I, yeah, pick your brain and coffee chats. Can we leave those in 2022, please? But like, I, 
I literally think that it is so important to have a strong strategy for the way that you collaborate, the way that you network, and that it is serving your business and also serving the other person's business, whether that is like a mindset thing, whether that is a referral thing. Like I talk with so many other system specialists and so many other Dubsado pros, like we're all in a community together. And I am so niche specific that there are a lot of other niches. Like I also work with some other industries here and there. Like I just did a setup for a bookkeeper, um, but it's all about who I vibe with. But there are some industries that I just like do not work with. And I know people that do work with those industries and we have a referral program set up where if I send business to them, like I get a referral cut on that. And there are ways that you can go about doing that. And that is helping their business. It's helping my business. It's also just helping our mindset because we learn things from each other. Like if they see a different update that has come up that I hadn't seen and vice versa, like it is so nice to have those people in my space, but also like making sure that you are having some auditing time too. I don't know, Alicia, how you like how you have gone about this, like in your business, but like in auditing time of like the people that you are having in your space and like the amount of coffee chats you're getting on and like, you know, where your energy is getting drained and where your cup is getting filled and things like that. And like making sure it is a two way street in those kinds of relationships. Um, because, you know, the term biz besties and all those things are like, you know, all around the space and everything like that. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times when there isn't that plan and strategy for the way you collaborate and network, it can really harm your business and can really harm your mindset and how you show up in your business because your energy is getting drained or you're on all these coffee chats all the time. For sure. And I just did an audit recently, um, kind of just who I was surrounding myself with and you know how they approach their business, not only in like a systems and revenue sort of way, but also just how they were coming to their business in a mindset way. And is that something that I want to be surrounded with? Are they chaotic with how they run their business? Or do they you know, have a streamlined system in place and whatever else? Just figure out like who you vibe with and it's okay to outgrow people. I think that's something that we need to all come to terms with, um, whether that's your team or clients or you know people that you have networked with. It's okay to outgrow them and change and evolve and move forward from these things because my community now and like what I'm looking to build is very, very different than my community that has been along the ride the last five years or so because I went a certain way with my business and they may have gotten a certain way. We actually did it with our clients too. Over the pandy was just figuring out who we really like serving and where our hearts was. And so, yeah. I'm all about a good audit. You guys know, I mean, if you don't, I have my free systems audit checklist and I'm all about auditing things, especially your systems, but auditing, you know, all aspects. And I feel like that's so true that like, it's okay to outgrow people and it's, it's okay to outgrow things in your business. I just dropped a service out of my business that was no longer serving me. And, you know, because I was auditing, you know, the inquiries I was getting on it. And if the projects I was taking, like, were really like build, like lifting me up, I was like feeling exciting about excited about them. And I wasn't. So I was like, well, why do I have this service out here then? And got rid of it. Like that kind of stuff is okay. And so taking that time to do that and having 
you know, a strategy, a plan in your business to have time to do that, whether it's a monthly thing, a quarterly thing, taking time to audit all aspects of your life, your business. I do it with our family life, our schedule. We just audited, you know, all of the uh, sports my kids are doing. And I'm like, we are doing the most, like the most. So we dropped a sport for right now. You know what I mean? Like audit different parts of your life and see like what's draining you and what's lifting you up. And then, you know, go from there. Alicia, this has been so great. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to connect with you after this episode. So where can people find you and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, slide on into my DMs. I'm always around. And that's A-L-I-S-H-A Kumar. Yes. As in Harold and Kumar. I always get that joke somewhere. So you're like, I'm going to beat you to it. (laughs) Right. I know. I've heard this one a couple of times, but yeah, from there you can find the agency community and podcast. And yeah, I can't wait to meet you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining She Can Systemize, Alicia. Um, I'm sure we'll be having you back for another episode. So thank you so much. And we will see you guys on the next episode of She Can Systemize.